Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you. Midweek editions here at Tail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We uh, inch closer to Nebraska, Illinois on Saturday. We'll spend some time on the matchup with Mike Babcock from HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Get Babber's take on the ball game in uh, you know, Nebraska. Has a shot here, says Vegas, and I think you as the fan base feels like, okay, this could be, uh, well, not not quite a mulligan, but uh, another chance here. You buy this, and we'll talk with Evan Bland in about an hour. Mike Schuhart also going to join the show. 19, that is the dreaded streak. We outlined Illinois' great defense. We talked about whether or not Illinois is a product of their schedule, fake or real, yesterday. Well, <laughs> we'll dive into to the 2023 schedule as well in a moment. But 19 is, is off as Nebraska has been the last several years. That feels like, well, forever. It's been a long time. It used to be that you know Nebraska didn't fare well against top 10 or top fives, usually in a bowl game, right? Well, it's now shifted to the, the the last ranked win you've had was against Oregon in 2016. Uh, the last top five you beat, I think, was Sparty in 2015. Now, Illinois comes in at, at 17th in the country. They're totally beatable. But uh, you just wonder if Nebraska's got the personnel. So we'll dive into that. Numbers can join us today. On Hale Varsity at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can watch the show, comment there, Facebook and Twitter, ESPN Lincoln, Facebook and Twitter, Hale Varsity Radio, Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Give Elijah Herbal a follow at Herbal Essence on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore Radio is where you find and follow me. So 2023 schedule is out. My first reaction is I love this. Absolutely love it. Love doing shows on the road. It's not as far as Dublin. We've had a pretty good history of fun in Minneapolis. Uh, We have maybe been the problem. Every time we've gone to Minneapolis, Nebraska has lost the last two seasons uh, in 19 and, and last season. Boulder follows. We'll be uh, in Boulder. I love going to Colorado. And uh, that venue, that circus, we'll see what they're made of uh, with the new coaching staff. Maybe a preview, Elijah, because the defensive coordinator for Illinois, 
is kind of your front run, front runner. We'll talk with Coach Barnett tomorrow on that opening. But no, uh, Nebraska's schedule, doable. We haven't quite got out the pencil yet. Still plenty of 2022 to chew on. But 2023 looks pretty good. Yeah, the, the only thing I look at that gives me a little pause is the fact that Nebraska is opening the season on the road against a conference opponent in Minnesota. And you look at that and you go, that's harsh from the Big Ten, knowing Nebraska's likely why, to have it. But, but, but why no, be surprised? I'm, I'm, oh, I shouldn't be surprised based on what the, the schedules look like the past couple of years. But you go, the Big Ten's putting Nebraska in a tough spot here with likely a, a new head coach coming into the program, new assistants, a lot of roster turnover, and then, oh, first week of the season is going to be a weird Thursday night game against a conference foe in Minnesota. Uh, not only just a conference foe, it's, it's a divisional foe in Minnesota. That's a tough spot to put Nebraska in. But then you also got to look at it from the Big Ten's point of view in that they want to get Big Ten football on TV early in the season, and you're going to have that spot on Thursday night. You're going to be the only game worth a damn on Thursday night. It's going to be Nebraska and Minnesota, and guess what? A lot of juice behind Nebraska. A new head coach. A lot of roster turnovers. It's going to be a lot of excitement around what this Nebraska team can be. A lot of unknowns. So it also makes sense from that perspective to, for the Big Ten to put that game in a in a, a spot where you can prop it up, where it's it's not going to have any competition. It's going to be the only college football most likely worth a damn that night, and everyone in America uh, at least in Big Ten country, can go watch Nebraska with uh, a, a new setup, a new head coach, uh, a new roster, and see what they look like. So I get it from the Big Ten's point of view, but it is still harsh when you step back and take a look at it from Nebraska point of view that that's the, the test that the, the new head coach in Nebraska, or if it's Mickey Joseph in his first full-year head coach, that, that that's the test that you're giving them. What rent are you paying right now to see unforeseen riches in the Big Ten? Mm. What has Nebraska brought to the party? disappointment right turnover not living up to expectations the one thing you've been consistent at as far as being inconsistent it's been eyeballs whether you're good bad or ugly people are still watching nebraska so that is your rent right now if you're kevin warren you may not like it it may be a fourth straight game on the road or opener on the road for conference season so be it, so what. I know you've done the week zero thing, all right, uh, in Illinois a season ago, Dublin this year. Listen, Ohio State's had to open that way, Purdue and Northwestern a couple of years ago. I know it was uh, Purdue this season, right? They they opened up the, the college football season on a Thursday against Penn State. Mm-hmm. So they're going to put a brand, Ohio State, Penn State, now Nebraska, on a Thursday night to open it up. You're good for your brand right now. Doesn't look undoable. We're way ahead of what we need to be talking about, the here and now. Whoever the head coach is, it's not like Minnesota is going to exactly be loaded. Eventually, all their six-year guys will be gone. This year. year is the year that they're going to be gone. Right? Morgan and Ibrahim. And, right. Uh, guys that have been there since the Kennedy administration, they're finally gone. But no, I look at it like this. It's... It's a Thursday night. You're going to probably take the, the, the fam damnly, pack the, uh, the family truckster, make a roadie, hit a Twins game, and then you're going to go check out Nebraska and Minnesota. You're probably going to make a weekend out of it. And then you're going to load up the truckster again, and you're going to head to the People's Republic of Boulder. You are going to have so much red in the stands, it's going to be crazy. It's been good anyway with the, the number of Nebraska fans that travel to Minneapolis the last two years. There's been a lot of red. Not a lot of good football, but a lot of red. The infamous hoodie gate game, and then the uh, there's an invisible force field inside the five. 
last year for Nebraska, as bad as that game was, that first half was. Nebraska, that's that's a winnable ball game. I'm going to say it uh, against Minnesota. Colorado, they're in disarray. Go get Colorado on the road out there. And uh, I'm not saying you, you open up 2-0, but you need to. And that is going to be because of the time of year. It's not going to be mid-October or early November where it's long john season in either place. It's going to be great weather, good football atmospheres, and it's going to be uh, painted red. That's the, that's the, um, the, the, the trade-off. Yes, you're on the road for Minnesota. Yes, you're on the road for a non-con, and then here comes uh, Northern Illinois. But you're going to have a ton of your fan base with you. Uh, either to support Mickey as the guy or whoever the next head coach is in his opener in uh, in, in Minneapolis and then for sure Boulder with all the Coloradoans for Nebraska. And looking way too far ahead here, you look at those first four games. Minnesota's the tough one. Colorado, based on what they've been this season and likely having a first-time head coach, that should be a very winnable football game. Should be. And I'm going to eat my words in that. Thank God I'm saying that in October of 2022 because someone's going to forget about it come September of 2023. You never know. You don't know who's playing quarterback. You don't, you don't know what Nebraska's yeah. situation is going to be. You don't know what Nebraska's situation is going to be. You don't know what Colorado's situation is going to be. But based on what I know about both these two programs, I think you have one trending in the right direction and one trending in the wrong direction. So uh, I'll say that looks very winnable. Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech, I, I, I struggle to, to pencil in W's right now based on what I've seen from Nebraska. But again, with Nebraska seemingly trending in the right direction, you got a great chance to at least be 3-1 and one after those three games. Then you got Michigan coming to town to, to close out your September. That should be a hell of a ball game mm-hmm. if it is, say, a 3-1 and one Nebraska against a 4-0 and o Michigan. Even a 4-0 and o Nebraska against a 4-0 and o Michigan. If that were to happen, that's, I mean, that could be Nebraska's first game in primetime on NBC now. Could be, and then and then you wrap before the bye at Illinois. So are you four and two going into your bye? Are you better? Are you worse? Who knows? Time will tell. But looking at the schedule, you get Michigan at home. You have uh, Iowa at home for Black Friday. Those are your two circled ball games. You have Northwestern and Purdue, and Maryland uh, comes to Lincoln as well. Your crossover isn't easy, but it's not. As bad as Purdue, <laughs> Purdue is going to draw Michigan. They are drawing Ohio State. Indiana's their permanent crossover uh, because of the uh, state rivalry. But this is doable for Nebraska. Sparty, we'll see if they get better and reload. We'll see how the year finishes for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get Michigan at home. And and then uh, your other is is Maryland at home, and, and you're not going to have little Tua there. Loxley's recruited well. They've gone to a bowl game. I think they'll probably hit a bowl game again this year. They're really athletic and fast, just looking at the way he's constructed the roster. But it's not like he can't beat Maryland and Lincoln. They'll scare you a little bit because of their explosiveness, but we'll see where they're at that late in the season, right? And you've gotten two of your three crossovers at home i mean that, that's what sets up i think really well about this nebraska schedule is the only really vaunted away venue you're going to be going to is wisconsin michigan state the woodshed it's solid venue in past years but if that michigan state team isn't you know top 25 ranked by the time nebraska comes to town i'm not sure that's going to be a sellout against sparty you look at minnesota opening the season that should be like you know, a good environment, but you're also going to need a lot of Nebraska fans to open the season, making the roadie up to Minneapolis. So I think that kind of takes away from 
uh, how difficult a, a road game that's going to be. Colorado, same story with so much red in the stands. It's, it takes away from what a, a true road game is. Illinois, we'll see what their season looks like to follow up this season. If it's another good season, they could have a, a, a difficult road venue, but I'm not sure I bank on Illinois to, to stack together back-to-back seasons like this. So uh, who knows what that's going to be. It's a bit of a wild card. But then Northwestern, uh, that's a home, excuse me, Michigan State was the next one I went to, which is, as I said, we'll wait and see, but I don't think that's terrible. And then Wisconsin to, to close the year right before Iowa is the, the one true road test. So I think your, your home and road sets up really, really well for next season. It does. And how are games stacked? We talked about Illinois and what they've been through this season. What's been impressive is the fact they've beat the perceived kings of the West. They've already beat Wisconsin. They've beaten Iowa. They've beaten Minnesota. Those were all consecutively. That's typically how your November's been stacked if you're Nebraska. Now, November's on a cakewalk because you still end with the the one-two punch of Wisconsin and Iowa. Michigan State's in there. But this team needs to be able to – the theme of the week has been match physicality. Uh, Michigan and and Illinois back-to-back, not good, but at least you get to go into a pie, uh, a bye week in 2023. To your point about Michigan State, that's a question mark. Are they are they really good, or are they just kind of a pain? You know, they're going to have some dudes. Sparty's schedule, right in the middle of it, is they go Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska on the road, and then they head to Ohio State. So that's a tough four game stretch. And that's a that's a for, for Sparty a four game stretch where, as I look at it right now, Nebraska seems to be the game you'd overlook among those four. You, you could. Uh, also, it's a November ball game. So, uh, some thoughts on the uh, 2023 schedule. It sets up well. I like the the setup. Your home games aren't incredibly awesome, but you you still have uh, at least uh, coming to town, um, Iowa and and Michigan, and that's kind of booking and book ending the season. Uh, late September game and your Black Friday game. So, uh, not great but not horrible, and uh, Nebraska has got to start winning those things. And we don't know where it's going to go. We don't know where it's going to go. If this is your, your fare thee well, your last hurrah uh, when it comes to division football or if it's division-less football or if you shift over to four different pods of four where you have two of the California schools, Nebraska and Iowa, or you have Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, SC or UCLA as part of a four-team pod and your two pod champions play for maybe a spot, uh, what's protected. You, you assume Nebraska-Iowa is going to be your protected game with a preference to uh, have either Wisconsin or Minnesota, right, as as another protected former West foe. And, and you're going to see Nebraska, again, back to the brand appeal, Nebraska is going to be part of what draws – that $100 million, it's going to be Nebraska v. Michigan. It's going to be Nebraska versus Ohio State, Nebraska-Penn State. Nebraska's a marquee uh, brand still in college football. Trev's doing everything in his power to get it back to where they need to go, and it brings us full circle back to the opportunity at hand, and that is taking down a ranked team. Take down a ranked team on national TV. Stop the streak of 19 consecutive losses to ranked teams. We won't get into it, but they've been close. <laughs> You've been close against everybody. Ranked, 
non-ranked. So uh, 2.30 will be a lot of fun, man. But that, that brings me to a, a point that my grandpa would always make, and he, he always brought this up through the years, that close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. It's a, it's a great saying. I love that one. Mm. Artez Craig chimes in. I'm looking forward to seeing how our offense will do against that Illinois defense. We'll dive into this with Mike Babcock when it comes to the task at hand for that offensive line for Nebraska, for that defensive line of the Big Red against the Illini and uh, Brett Bielema, his crew. Some good numbers to dive into as well with what is uh, what is real about that Illinois offense. I have visions of Monte Ball running through my head. I'm overreacting, I'm sure. But that's how Illinois is going to get out of Dodge with a win uh, with their run game. Can Nebraska answer? Mike Babcock's on the way. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, another beauty from Jimbo Fisher at his press conference. Uh, listen for that coming up. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Presented by Currency, midweek edition. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mr. Husker Football. Uh, with Hale Varsity is Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how's the battle going against the Leaves? Good to spend time with you. Well, the leaves are winning fairly decisively at this point. <laughs> you sounded so defeated, man, when, when you said that. <laughs> We've got to make some adjustments and be more physical on those, well, on those leaves. Mike, what has been your plan this week to match the physicality of the leaves? Um, get the uh, lawnmower out and start mowing them up. Okay. That is the equalizer. That is the answer. Okay, who's Nebraska's lawnmower then on, on each side of the football for Saturday? Boy, um, well, it's going to be good to have Luke Reimer back yes. on, on defense. I mean, I think that's an important thing. And, you know, I probably Trey Palmer, but Illinois' pass defense is, is uh, exceptional. And uh, Nebraska's going to have to have to do some things uh, – with the running game uh, in order to, to uh, open up that passing game. And, and also I think some of the backup receivers may be in a position where they're going to have to step up, maybe a Marcus Washington, somebody like that in order to take some of the pressure off uh, Palmer, because obviously um, you know who to pay attention to in the passing game. Uh, Palmer has had such a great start. Um, tremendous receiver. He's been outstanding. I think Marcus Washington's geared up, has obviously some familiarity with the Illinois side of the ball. Uh, you, you have some crossover with Bill Bush and, of course, the Wisconsin staff and, and Whipple talked about uh, he's he's pretty close with uh, Bielema. And so, I mean, there's some familiarity, which isn't a bad thing. It's going to come down to execution and with this Nebraska opportunity, Mike, what you know, you'll know this. I mean, 
do you remember a time Nebraska's had such a drought uh, against ranked teams? We're talking 19 in a row. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. Well, yeah, we can go back. Uh, but I mean, long, like modern, modern, you know, Devaney on it, it's T.O. got crap for not being able to win the big one, but it was at least against Florida State, Miami or Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that bowl game losing streak that uh, uh, really kind of changed things for Nebraska and the way it played defense and set the stage for the national championships. But no, I the consistency of not being able to get it done against ranked teams is, is something that, uh, that, you know, it, it maybe once you get it done, um, you'll feel good about it. But uh, I think the irony of the whole thing is what's Illinois' one loss? I know, right? It's Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> but that was early in the season, and, you know, things change, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I, I just think Nebraska has an opportunity – and it's, it, you know, the game is in Lincoln. I think that's a little bit of an advantage there. And uh, I just think that, again, Mickey Joseph, and this came up again, he's instilled this mentality uh, in the team that, uh, uh, I, you know, they're not going to back down there and they're not going to give up. And uh, I think that's what you have to be able to do when, when you're facing a team that's been as impressive as Illinois. Also, the number one rusher in the country, right, Chase Brown? Yeah, he's um, been there for a while, and he's really good. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that's, this came up at the news conference today, too, is, you know, your opportunity, the number of you're going to get is going to be reduced if you're not going to be picking up, the, converting those third downs because of the kind of offense that Illinois plays and how it keeps the ball away from, from, uh, from the opposing offense. Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mike, you mentioned the one slip-up for Illinois this year. That was against Indiana. And that's actually the best passing team that Illinois has faced so far this season as Illinois, uh, excuse me, Indiana, I should say, was able to throw for 330 yards against the Illini defense. And I don't think other than that, Illinois has played a team that's in the top 75, I think is the number, of, of team passing rankings. And Illinois, to their credit, uh, held Indiana to 32 rushing yards, but there's been just a lot of talk this week about how good this Illinois pass defense is, and it is very good, but I'm not sure how tested. It's a topic we had yesterday, but is this Illinois not playing, you know, opponents that are up to the quality of these, these high-level passing offenses that you see now in college football? Well, yeah, the, uh, the three teams that Illinois held to under 50 yards passing, which is in the, in the notes there, are not exactly uh, impressive pass-oriented teams. So, but you know, it, it you s- still look at what where Illinois is now, and maybe where it was when it played Indiana. It's, it's mm. you know, it's it's like Nebraska. It's moving forward. Yeah, I, it's not overwhelming. It's not impossible to throw against Illinois if you can establish again some kind of a running game uh, to to take some of the pressure off the passing game. Um, and when you've got a receiver like uh, Trey Palmer and, you know, mentioned Marcus Washington, who knows some of the guys on the Illinois team, he was talking about that. Um, you've got, I think you've got an opportunity uh, and it's, it's probably not as daunting as it would seem when you look at the statistics because of what you point out. What are the teams that have done this 
against Illinois. Illinois has stopped teams that uh, uh, maybe are not as pass-oriented or maybe aren't in the same category. Um, I think Wyoming was one of them. Uh, there was one other non-conference team that I thought. Virginia. Was, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, you, you have to consider the consider the source there in, in, in that situation. So I don't, in, in answer to your question, I'm just rambling on here about it, but no, I don't think it's just overwhelming the Illinois pass defense. Um, we have to find out and we can find out, but uh, I bet they're pretty good. <laughs> I think you combine their back end with their front end, they're, 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 uh, they're beyond the product of their schedule. They're, they're, they're very talented looking at some of the guys Lovey's recruited and just how physical they've been and then how that's meshed well with Brad Bielema. Mike Babcock with us here from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Find Mike on Twitter at MDBabs. Mike, uh, to, to wrap on Illinois before we get your take here on the 2023 schedule, you know, uh, to your point about time of possession, scoring quick versus being on the field uh, all day long, Rhymers will be big. Illinois is going to just go big and run downhill or try to do it. Does Nebraska have the personnel? Can they can they kind of fall back on some training with a bye week to rest up and, and just be new and improved uh, is my question on the interior because that's that's going to be so key for Nebraska to, to make sure it, it stops at a, at a three-yard game uh, versus the yards that Brown is so good at getting after contact. That's the thing. They're going to be tested up front, no question about that, because of Brown and because of what Illinois has in, in its offensive line and, and the, the way it's gone about things. So, again, you know, if you're scoring fast, if Nebraska's scoring fast, it's not as much of a concern. You know, if they just get the ball and they go down the field and they score – um, but if, if it's the kind of game that you expect from Illinois, um, you're not going to have that many opportunities, and uh, you're going to have to take, make the most of them, and you're going to have to try to pick up some of those third downs in order to keep the ball in order to have some time because you're not going to get the kind of the number of plays mm-hmm. that you would get when you're scoring a bunch of points. And again, unless you're like just quick strike every time, which is probably not going to happen if it's head of one defense. Mike Babcock's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, with all these things that we've talked about here previously, that Illinois' defense as well as Illinois' offense, the fact Illinois is a top 25 team coming to Lincoln as a seven-point favorite, do you see Nebraska having some tricks up their sleeves for this game, some some things that they can pull out from deep inside the playbook to, to catch Illinois off guard just a little bit? Because whenever you look at this in a head-to-head matchup, it does seem like Illinois has the advantage, and Nebraska might need to make some magic of their own in order to, to – keep this game close in the fourth quarter? Well, I thought Mark Whipple's comments today kind of indicated that they had done some things. You know, they'd made some adjustments on or or added some things that they wanted to do offensively um, in, in this situation. So, yeah, I think you have to do that probably. Um, but, yeah, I'm still – it's been impressive what Illinois did in that stretch that you pointed out, you know, and, it, and I don't know why I'm still skeptical – a little bit, maybe because it's it because it is Illinois, but um, I think Nebraska has a good chance. I, you know, I just um, the physicality. Nebraska talked about that. I think that the things that Nebraska has an opportunity 
to prepare for Illinois, and Illinois has got, had the same opportunity. So um, let's see what happens. But I, I think, and I, and I think it's a big thing that it's at home. You know, I, I really think that's going to make a difference as well. Mike, some volleyball, uh, Nebraska and uh, Wisconsin touch gloves tonight, 8 o'clock, BTN. Nebraska's uh, style with that 6-2, uh, very similar to Wisconsin. Uh, John Cook's just always impressive. And I'm not Mr. Volleyball aficionado. Uh, it's more Jacob Padilla. But, you know, what a, what a great statement opportunity for, for Nebraska. I think, I think old Cook wants to to hand it to somebody tonight easier said than done in that venue but man going to be a raucous atmosphere and a great test for nebraska yeah i'm really looking forward to watching that and you know and, and you're right john cook is uh, he's as good as it gets you know he, he spoke to the women's basketball team here recently and and uh, he's he's just got a good perspective on things and how to go about coaching something i think um so I'm looking forward to to that. I think he talked to the women's basketball team. I shouldn't say that. I, th- I thought maybe he did. Mike, we got to run here, but can we uh, take you with uh, with us to, to Minneapolis and Boulder? You up for a couple of road trips next year, real quick? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's uh, make sure we don't have a Nebraska license plate on the car that goes to Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we rented Mike, the car to go there, we made sure it didn't have Nebraska license plates. Mike, we're going to Boulder. You're driving. <laughs> <laughs> Big old Herbie Oscar. <laughs> the crack yeah. through the windshield. Uh, welcome to Colorado. You okay. need to drive a tank there. No kidding, right? <laughs> and that? just wave a big old red flag. Go ahead. <laughs> Mike, we'll talk next week. Thanks for the time. As always, we'll see you Saturday. Thanks for having me, guys. There he is, Mike Babcock with us on Hale Varsity. Mike Shewart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. We'll talk to Shuey, uh, get some thoughts here on the world of sports and just how gorgeous Wilderness is right now. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are efforting Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Gulf. We've got him. That's pretty good. And uh, coming up, Evan Bland will be with us. We'll check in with Mark Whipple and Coach Bill Bush. Numbers to get in at 466-3776-466-3776. Get to some of your emails and uh, StreamYard comments as well. We say hi to Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, how's the week? Thanks for the time. You bet. It's good. Falls off, man. Got man. a little rain. You greened up the course. Nice out. Loving it. We, uh, we got to sneak out, take another – we don't have another bye week in our back pocket to, to sneak out for golf. But rumor was you were giving away 40-yard line seats earlier today. I was. I 
already gave them away. I got two more, though. <laughs> do you? I do. Look at you, Shuey. That's, uh, that's a win right there. How you feeling about Saturday? Uh, uh, Next question. Not good enough that he's going to be using those tickets himself. <laughs> I want to be very optimistic that we can actually win, but I don't know, man. It's just a bad matchup for us. What does a win against a ranked opponent, the first time in, I should be now we're talking about 16 tries, uh, that, that Nebraska could get a ranked win? If Nebraska does pull it off on Saturday, what does that do for you? That gives me a whole lot of hope that they're going in the right direction. They have the right people kind of in place that are getting guys to to buy in and do their job, you know. So it's like that would go a long ways for me. Shuey, as you look at this team, and, and, and you've coached at the Division One level for a long time, been a pro golfer, I mean, so you, you get the, the rarefied air of both sides of it as a player and as a coach. When you look at Nebraska, do you think it's been – more development, or do you think it's a situation where just some guys just aren't as good as they were projected to be? There's still time for them. Everyone can get better, right? But I'm just wondering right now as you look at what Mickey's dealing with, uh, and he's not going to whine about it, but I'm going to ask the question, are they going to – is it just – are they just undermanned right now when you look at their football team? Well, they're undermanned, no question, but – it's like development or kind of a misevaluation of them. I mean, it's hard to believe that we have so many of these four-star guys because it's not just us evaluating these guys, it's other people. And they're, they're projected as a four-star. They're playing like a one-star, if that. So that leads me to believe that they're very underdeveloped, you know, both from the physical and the mental side of it. You know, and winning has a lot to do with that or losing, you know. Winning breeds confidence. Losing breeds negativity. So it's like in self-doubt and all that stuff. So it makes it harder to develop somebody that is projected as a four-star. I mean, we got four-star guys all over the place on the lines. Mm-hmm. They, none of them are playing like it. So that's that kind of shows me that they're just not – they haven't been developed to believe and function like they need to. Mm-hmm. Mike Schuhart's with us here. Uh, that was a nice little little sound effect in the background. Mike Schuhart joining us here from Wilderness Ridge. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by uh, Go Currency uh, for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. And uh, Mike, just moving forward, the final five games of the season here, what does this mean for you in terms of Mickey Joseph's tryout for the, the permanent head coaching gig. It seems to be that this is do or die time for, for Mickey Joseph and that you got to th- think that Trev Alberts is coming to a decision here soon on what direction he wants to move this program in with the hire. So what, what do these five games mean for you? Are you sold on Mickey just yet or what do you need to see in the, the final five games to, to see if he's the right guy? Well, I'm very sold on Mickey. I mean, and it's not just Mickey. I mean, I'm sold on if you can find the right coach and Mickey obviously has shown that he's, at least somewhat of the right coach. I mean, he's got his players uh, to play better than they have been playing. I mean, his his media talks talk the right kind of talk. You know, it's, it's about the players and and it's about the program being bigger than somebody or anybody. You know, so it's like, does Mickey possess those? Yes. Are there other guys that possess those? Yes. It's like, can you find the right guy? the guy, whether it be Mickey or somebody else, 
but do they possess the right characteristics that you need to lead your program and develop your program back to what it once was? I mean, they haven't done a very good job of that in the last 20 years. You know, they the last group coached about trying to survive. You know, at least Mickey coaches the players to get them to play as good as they can play. Win, lose, or draw doesn't really matter. It's about that. I think in the past they had they were coaching for different reasons. They were coaching to prove that they were worthy or whatever. I just they, they just weren't the right people in place. Shuey, uh, when we talk about schedules, they were put forth for 2023. Do you uh, do you like? What Nebraska has up their sleeve here for 2023, I know they open on the road with the Gophers on a Thursday night. I look at that as still a bit of a badge of honor because of of the brand getting that type of showcase. It's not what you draft or pick first, but it's what you have. And I look at it as, you know, some of the value Nebraska still brings. No question. I mean, I looked at the schedule and it's like – a very favorable schedule, in my opinion. You know, if they can continue to get better like they have and, and get both of their lines playing like it needs to be playing or up to a level of being a, a conference champion type level, I mean, they have skilled players all over the place, you know, but they need to get their lines playing good enough. If they can do that, and 2023 looks like it could be a very successful year. Mike, for any uh, fans going up to, to Minneapolis for that Thursday night game against Minnesota, if they're going to make a weekend out of it, do you have any golf course recommendations in the Minneapolis area? There are so many golf courses up there. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, you can't hardly go around a corner without running into a really good golf course. So, I mean, you, you can't go wrong about any of them. It's beautiful up there. That time of the year will be awesome. You know, so it's like it'll be a fun place to go play up there. We uh, are going to rent a tank under the advisement of Mike Babcock to roll into to Boulder with a big red flag. The following week, yep. Are, the, the following week. Are you in? If we can go get some Boulder golf, we'll call Barnett up, get on, get on to his course. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. No? We'll, we'll see. Shuey, what's happening at Wilderness? Tell us what's going on here about 30 seconds, bud. And we've just got fall golf going on, still getting our construction going. Each day gets a little closer getting ready to open up our members-only uh, grill. Uh, so it's looking pretty sweet. I'm excited for it. It is awesome. I know the uh, colors are picturesque. Weather's still good. And uh, your chance to uh, to join Wilderness happens now. You can log on wildernessridgegolf.com, find out more info. Shuey? I said we have Matt chiming in on Facebook uh, calling Minneapolis Golf the land of 10,000 water hazards. <laughs> it's very fair and very accurate. Shuey, pres- appreciate you jumping on, man. We'll uh, be in touch next week, and we'll see, uh, see how this Saturday shakes out, bud. All right. Thank you for having me. Stay safe. You too, brother. Appreciate it. There he is, Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. He's Mr. Husker football ticket, it sounds like. Good for him. Good for him. We'll wind down this first hour. More of your comments coming in. And, uh, yes, Evan Bland in 15 minutes. It's Hale Varsity presented by Currency.
Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity. Hour two is with Evan Bland and some thoughts from Whipple and Bill Bush as they were with the media today. Reminder about your friends at Red Zone Tickets. Big country show in Omaha this weekend. Dave Matthews looms in November. Red Zone Tickets, not just for concerts, but also for all your Husker football and volleyball needs. Also NFL and Creighton basketball. Man, they are a Final Four favorite Uh, Be a part of it all with your friends at Red Zone Tickets, selling fun. Since 2001, do you have tickets you want to buy? Do you have seats that you need to sell? Well, log on today, redzonetickets.com. And they are local, they are friendly, and they are all about backing up what they promise. That's a 100% guarantee on all your orders, an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, and you'll receive authentic tickets and experiences you'll never forget. Get the item checked off your bucket list. Create memories that last a lifetime. Visit RedZoneTickets.com today. That's RedZoneTickets.com. Did you get to hear Jimbo Fisher's presser today, Elijah? I did not. Okay. Well, Jimbo's presser uh, was... Interesting, we'll, we'll, we'll say that, <laughs> as uh, Jimbo's letting folks know that, hey, if you're a losing program, that's all right. That means you're still a talented guy and you can come uh, play ball here. Hey, Coach. Uh, with four losses so far, it's been pretty disappointing. What's mm-hmm. your message to recruits about the future of the program? Look at what we're doing and the guys that happened. And you know, also, you know, you look at that in the back, they see opportunities. Everybody says, well, I go somewhere that's winning all the time. I may not play for a while. You know what I'm saying? But, no, we've got good young players. Look at the young players' team. Look at the young talent we have. Look at the guys making a lot of the plays. And they see it. That we've, got, we've got a good nucleus of what we're doing and that we're only a playoff on those games. And you sell that and you see it and be truthful about it. There's no – and recruiting, the key to recruiting, there's no – pitch when you're a good recruiter you tell the truth recruiting is about one thing truth and relationships you can draw it up a hundred ways but silly all there is no pitch there is no magical formula there is no pixie dust you build a relationship through truth and trust and be honest with them about where you see them and what they do and and you don't base everything off one year either you don't basically base things off history what people have done where they've been what's happened schools have happened players and see and see the future of what a program is but it's based off truth and trust not a it's what you tell them. I see a slogan right now in Austin and around the SEC, why go to a winner? <laughs> <laughs> but when I hear Pixie Dust, I think of Matthew McConaughey ordering two absolute martinis. Okay. From Wolf of Wall yes, Street. Yes, The Pixie Dust, dust uh, pitch as he's sitting down with a young, hungry Leonardo DiCaprio. That's the, that's the segment we play uh, on the, uh, the intro of uh, the, 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 the Saturday morning show. Yes. Until and, one and, of us passes out. Right. And, and that's, there's no pixie dust. You just come up with a great idea. We'll uh, keep your money. Good stuff. Uh, Brennan chimes in. Excited about the possibility of teams playing us a little different. It's been so obvious the last four years watching teams go super conservative and eventually hold uh, and essentially handling us 
and win because they know we're going to step on our own selves, step on our tail. Uh, Matt says, uh, jumping up on our and down on our tail with both feet. Evan Bland, World Herald, Football Thoughts next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for 10 $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Back into it. It's hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in fresh off his bye week. Evan Bland joins us from the Omaha World Herald. Does a great job covering Nebraska football at Evan Bland OWH on Twitter is where you follow him. Read him with Omaha.com. Evan, what'd you do? It's been a popular question all week. So what did you do during the bye week? Well, I actually last weekend went up to uh, Sioux Falls, of all places, with my wife. We we just kind of got away for a weekend, and as luck would have it, I actually came down with kind of a of a, an illness or a sore throat, and and uh, so I'm kind of on the mend too, much like uh, everybody else. So the the bye week was well timed, and I'm going to be ready to rock here for the home stretch. Did you visit the Empire Mall? Yes, actually. It, it was nice. I had never been to Sioux Falls before. I, I did not know also that they have uh, a natural waterfall area yes, they out do. there. So uh, consider me more educated than I was a week ago. Uh, well, well, wouldn't that be how they got the name Sioux, Sioux Falls? Falls? But I, well, I, I never, and all my, I lived in South Dakota for a year, and both my college roommates are, are from Sioux Falls and still live there. So my little town uh, an hour north of Sioux Falls where I was doing radio, uh, I would I would escape to the big city in, in Sioux Falls, the the king of chain restaurants. Uh, it was wonderful. <laughs> it was it was a good time. But yeah, they have they have a falls. They do. I guess that's where you get it from. I you know again I I see it's one of those things that you just sort of like oh that's the name of the town and now uh, you know the, the the gaps are being filled for me along the way. So it, it was cool and it was obviously a great time of year with the the leaves mm-hmm. changing and everything. Um, yeah, a cool town. Had a good time. Evan Bland with us here, Omaha World Herald, joining us, Hale Varsity Radio. Evan, looking ahead here, October 14th, 2023, you started making any plans just yet? <laughs> no, not yet. Although, if anybody out there has, you know, wedding plans, now now you're probably scrambling this afternoon to fill venues or uh, family reunions or, you know, fall trips, family getaways, whatever it might be. Uh, I personally don't have anything that i'm jones into pencil into that weekend maybe that's a pumpkin patch weekend something like that um but yeah n- nothing too definite yet well nebraska's schedule released and 
Elijah, it's going to be fun, man. We're going to we're going to be able to buy Evan a beer or two uh, in in Minneapolis and and in in Boulder because we'll make those our two normal road trips anyway. Whenever Nebraska plays in Boulder, we're there for live shows, and we've hit uh, you know Gopherville the uh, last couple three seasons. But overall, Evan, what what do you think of the schedule for twenty twenty three? The year before Hollywood comes in. Well, I, I love the road games. First of all. Um, you know, I, I think Minnesota's uh, one of the more fun trips in the Big Ten. Uh, you mentioned Colorado. That's always really interesting, too. Um, yeah, Illinois is drivable. Uh, you kind of go Wisconsin. Madison's one of the more fun towns to visit, too. So that's cool. Um, you know, the, the schedule, the, the, the reconfigured version here, didn't have a ton of changes from what we had seen with the previous version. Uh, certainly that Thursday night game at Minnesota should be a lot of fun. That's something the Gophers have done for a number of years, and so Nebraska sort of falls into that. Um, it, you know, It's not a week zero game. It's not a week one game. It's somewhere sort of in the middle. Um, so that part's pretty cool. Uh, to me, when I look at next year and the schedule, it's sort of that last chance to – relish divisional play and the way that it's been for Nebraska when you think about it for really the last 28 years I mean when you talk about what you want for Nebraska out of a season it was always compete and win the Big 12 North compete and win the Legends and now it's been compete and try to win the West and and then you take you know the next step from there and we don't really know exactly what that format's going to be like in 2024 and beyond. If it's a pod system, if it's some sort of two or three protected uh, annual rivalry games and, and however else it's going to play out, that's all for another day. But it's kind of cool, I think, just to have one more chance, one more sort of farewell tour for the way the format's been. And let's be honest, it's, it's Nebraska's probably their best chance to compete for a conference title um, through that divisional format where – you don't have to keep up with the big bads in the East throughout the season. You just have to win what I think is maybe a deeper West, if not as top-heavy as the East. You win that division, and then it's a one-shot deal to try to win a conference championship the way that uh, we've seen Wisconsin and Iowa and Northwestern try to do over the course of the last eight years or so. So I think that's what it is for me is, is sort of appreciating the, the format, what it's been, and then um, obviously turn our attention to what's next. Evan Bland with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Evan, four consecutive years, Nebraska opens their season with with a Big Ten foe on the road. Your reaction to that, I mean, it's a a tough spot. Whoever's going to be the head coach for Nebraska next season, you open on Thursday night against Minnesota. It could be a fun road trip for us, the media, but from a team point of view, what, what what does that do for you? Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, certainly your preferred method if you're a new coach and, and with a lot of new players uh, would be have sort of a, of a ramp up at home against some maybe group of five or even FCS level competition and, and figure out some kinks and then roll from there. So uh, it's certainly more challenging in that regard. I think it's interesting that it's Minnesota in the opener because you, know, you think back to Nebraska's history against them the last decade or so. Most of those matchups have been cold, you know, late October, early November sort of games when teams are beaten down and, and it's just sort of a battle of wills. It'll have a different sort of feel on what should be a, probably a warm night when everybody's healthy and uh, fresh and ready to roll for the season. So I think that part's kind of interesting. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no doubt that from a, a perspective of – uh, you know, program identity. Minnesota's 
going to have a huge head start with what it is under P.J. Fleck and, and what it wants to do, whereas Nebraska is going to be breaking in. You know, who, who knows? Whoever the head coach is, uh, however drastic the changes might be, whatever the, the roster turnover is going to be, um, to hit the road in the opener and then to turn around and to go to Colorado the next week too, there's, there's no doubt that's a massive challenge and, and you know one that Nebraska is going to have to uh, earn its wins early in the year if it wants to turn things around quickly under whatever that new regime looks like. Evan Bland with us, Husker Football Thoughts, Omaha World <laughs> Herald. Evan, what do you think of the crossover draw? Well, I think, you know, Nebraska is probably somewhere in the middle. It's it's Next year will be one of the years where the West hosts two of those three, so it's a little easier already in that regard, but um, you know, Michigan's going to be good. Michigan State, it's kind of hard to say what they'll be Maryland, like I guess when I look at the East, you, if you were picking the teams that you want to play in terms of uh, an easier path, at least on paper, you would say Indiana and Rutgers. Um, but I think the next two teams up would be Maryland and Michigan State in some order, and so Nebraska gets those two, and they get Michigan at home. So I think that's fairly manageable, and especially um, you know when you look at it against the backdrop of the rest of the division. I, for me, when I make a prediction in the West, one of the first things I always do is is check the the crossover situation. And so, you know, we're talking about Minnesota. They have to play Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State next year. I think they have what you would call the toughest crossover draw. And then on the other side, you could make the argument that maybe uh, maybe Illinois or Wisconsin have the easiest draw. Probably Illinois, um, where they play Penn State, Maryland, and Indiana. So I think Nebraska is probably <clears throat> somewhere in the middle uh, in that regard. But man, after six years of playing Ohio State, um, not having the Buckeyes against is probably a breath of fresh air for Husker fans. And um, even though Michigan is, is going to continue to be a bear and they're just an athletic uh, force, um, I think those others who are, are pretty manageable as Nebraska tries to navigate this thing. Evan, let's get into Saturday. Gut says what on Wednesday? How do you think this thing's going to be? Uh, over whelming for nebraska or do you think mickey and the crew coming off a bye can hang around yeah i think it'll be a close game i really do i mean a lot's been made of nebraska's struggles against ranked opponents i mean 19 straight going back to 2016 it's been a long time since nebraska's been able to uh, break through against a team with a number next to its name um but you know there i i think if you were to make a case for nebraska where I would start is that, I, in my opinion, the last few weeks, this has been a team that has sort of settled into what it does well and what it doesn't. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, a month ago, I think they were more worried about time of possession and running it a certain amount of times on offense, playing a certain way. And I think what they realized and what we saw against Purdue was, hey, you've got Trey Palmer back there. If you can't get the run game going, and, it, and you have to score points on like three play drives that still um, produce and, and still put your defense back out there. Like you got to do it. And so I think that's uh, a fascinating sort of realization for Nebraska is is you're going to go you're going to go for broke. Um, I think you're going to see him go deep plenty again. Um, see if Palmer can get behind that Illinois secondary. The key then on the flip side is you got to make sure um, that your defense isn't out there for eight, nine, ten minutes at a time with Chase Brown wearing you down going downfield. So uh, as many flaws as the offense has, it, it 
start, it's starting to feel like they have an identity. How how sustainable that is long term is probably up for debate, but they have sort of settled into what they do well. And to me, it's on the other end. Um, it's the same basic questions that we've had for this defense for a long time. Can you be fundamentally sound? Can you make tackles? Can you be in the right place? Um, heck, can you stay healthy and, and just um, – you know, have bodies out there that are capable of doing what you need to do. And I think if those things come together for Nebraska, uh, especially coming off the bye week, um, it, this game's at home. It's Illinois, which, yes, is ranked, but is still not a team that's going to inspire a lot of fear. Um, you know, I, I think it should make for a pretty good game. Evan, the, the lines of scrimmage for Nebraska have been the, the weak spot for both sides of the ball, the O-line and the D-line. Who do you think faces a, a taller task on Saturday? Is it the O-line going up against uh, an aggressive and fast-moving Illinois front seven, or is it that, that defensive line trying to stop the, the Illinois power rushing attack? Yeah, I mean, there's a challenge for both. I, I think it's probably the defensive line because I think at least on the offensive side you can – sort of mitigate um, your perceived weaknesses there. You can go deep. You can have three-step drops. You can uh, run screens or um, delayed handoffs, things of that nature that can sort of take some of the pressure off of your O-line. I think defensively, though, the task is pretty clear. I mean, you're talking about bringing in the Big Ten's leading rusher and Chase Brown, somebody who is fast, who can break tackles. Um, That's not something you're going to be able to sort of scheme out of and you're you're a little bit light too i mean nick henrich is out for the year um you're getting luke reimer back in that second level as well but you're a little bit short on bodies there so i think that challenge is is pretty straightforward and there's not a lot that you can do about it if you're nebraska other than line up and and say hey we've we found a way to improve and we found a way to figure this thing out so um yeah it's it's i don't think that's that's probably the part that's that's going to give Nebraska the biggest fits um, moving forward, uh, not just this game, but, but the rest of the season. And, you know, you think back to when some of the Big Ten's best rushers have come in and, and faced Nebraska, typically it has not gone well for them. So I think, you know, when you talk about ending this drought, that's probably one of the things, one of the things you're going to have to see is, is them being able to shut down Chase Brown uh, in a way that he hasn't been this year. Can you contain him? You can't have him going for two bills, 175, five a carry, none of that. It's going to have to be a, a, a quantity versus a quality. Like, I think you can you can manage if it's 25 carries for 105 yards. Sure. Like, you, you want to avoid a 100-yard rusher, but I, I think you can manage that. If it's 17 for 150, you got some, some serious problems. <laughs> yeah, it can't be a Wisconsin rerun. I mean, uh, that's a concern. But to your point, Evan, with, with the offense of Illinois, I mean, they're – they're not great in the red zone, right? I mean, their red zone offense is 96th nationally. Uh, when it comes to third down conversions, they're 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 just inside the the, the top 80. So uh, while they're physical and tough and rough, and their tight ends are going to do some work on you with an extra tackle, I mean, they're going to go heavy. Can you uh, can you hold up? That's the big question for me in that front seven and. Uh, Nebraska took a step back tackling, and to your point, the injuries were, were a part of that. Uh, but they've had they've had time to get guys ready, uh, specifically in that uh, second level. Yeah, they have, and you know, I think the other thing from an Illinois perspective, this is a really interesting game too, because I think there are people out there still that can point to their schedule and say, yeah, there are a lot of 
good numbers and they've taken care of business, but who really have they played, especially opposing offenses that would inspire a lot of fear? Um, there just hasn't been, they haven't seen anybody like Trey Palmer. Uh, certainly I don't think in my opinion. Um, and, and it's just, it'll, it'll be interesting to me to see how they hold up against, um, you know, what Nebraska brings because their strength has been sort of um, as a system. Like there's not, you don't really look at three or four of these players on their defense and say these are future high-end draft picks or anything like that. It's it's a very sound system. Uh, Brett Bielema said this week, other Nebraska coaches said this week, they're not uh, a super diverse defense either, but what they do, they do really well, and they know they play fast, and they're they're confident in it. So so that that confidence, that momentum that they have against sort of the, the raw Nebraska speed and some of the talent that their skill players have, to me, um, you know, sets up a really interesting matchup where I think we're going to find out a little bit more, uh, has Illinois been a product of its schedule, or is it really taking that jump in year two under Bielema? Good stuff from Evan Bland. A few more minutes on the other side with Evan Bland of the World Herald, Mark Whipple, Bill Bush. Some of their audio as well coming up here in Hour 2 with Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Evan Bland with us, Husker Football Thoughts, Omaha World Herald. What's a good day for you with Nebraska's run game? Uh, Coach Whipple today didn't really (laughs) dive into the uh, let's roll our sleeves up and be rough and tough and physical. That was my impression, but let's score some points. That said, you're going to need some balance to to keep a defense honest, right? Run Run it enough to... To be honest, and, and what, what does that look like for, for Anthony Grant and the other backs, the Nebraska ground game in general? What, what's the number they need to put up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Grant, the bye week will have served him well. Uh, you know, he was, he was one of the most used running backs in college football up to last week. Uh, and you look at what he did at the junior college level the year before, he was a workhorse there. So I, I think a week off is going to be helpful for his legs. Uh, this feels like a game where you could lean on him a little bit more if you needed to do so. And, and you know, he, he's got that ability, right? Like to, to, to beat somebody with his speed, to be shifty. Um, he's somebody who's shown those skills. And so, It'll be interesting to see how Nebraska walks that line. Do you use the running game and Anthony Grant as more of a change of pace uh, to to set up those deep balls, or is it going to be sort of more of a 50-50 deal where um, you know Illinois doesn't maybe know what's coming? And so we've seen Nebraska kind of go both ways a little bit. Uh, they've talked before about protecting their defense, um, and, and Illinois, as we're going to see in a number of these games down the stretch, like if you're not careful, you might get seven or eight possessions in a game, and you're going to look up and see that the, the other team's held the ball for like 40 or 45 minutes. So I think that's the other part that you have to be a little bit cognizant about if you're in Nebraska. Yes, it's about <clears throat> scoring points, but at some point, too, um, you do need to protect that defense and keep things manageable. Otherwise, things can get out of hand in the fourth quarter. Evan Bland with us, Omaha World Herald, Nebraska, Illinois Week. Evan, last stop before we say goodbye, and we'll see you in the press box on Saturday. What's your timeline? Do you think an announcement 
is is likely here around Wisconsin after Wisconsin? Do you have a timeline in mind? For the coaching yes. announcement? Um, you know, to me, the the big deadline has always been before the transfer portal opens for business on December 5th. So, yeah, whether that's, you know, late in this season, whether that's after the Black Friday game, I don't know exactly when that will be. And, and you know, quite honestly, I don't know that it really matters. I mean, Mickey Joseph will finish this thing out as interim either way, whether he becomes the head guy. I suppose if they were to name him the head man before the end of the year, that could affect you know, how guys play or it could lead to some inspiration down the stretch. But I, I always point back to when the portal opens up on December 5th, it's just it's sped up the game, and it's one of the reasons why schools are, are firing and making coaching changes earlier than ever um, is to try to get a jump on things. And if you if you don't have a guy in place by December 5th, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty on that roster. Guys can enter the portal, um, and you're missing out on the chance to, to recruit other guys who are leaving from other locations. So um, I think that's what, what I would say is sometime – at least before the calendar hits December. And then, of course, you have to uh, factor in recruiting classes and, and trying to hold on to those guys as well. So um, I, certainly I would think in the next four to five weeks, no later than that, um, we should be hearing some news on what the plan is moving forward. Evan, thanks for the time. Good to get caught up again. Thanks, guys. See you Saturday. Good stuff from Evan Bland. Uh, we'll have that uh, loaded up on the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. Subscribe to us. Give us a review. And uh, as always, catch the video, uh, the full show on, on YouTube, the Hale Varsity channel. Let's hear from Mark Whipple. Specifically was asked today after practice about getting the run game going. Well, just stay more balanced and, you know, just keep getting better, which we which we have with the health health issues. I think we're better up front, you know, from uh, from the Purdue game. But, you know, it's a combination. So score dictates a lot of what you have to do. So, you know, we just got to mix and match and stay on point and can't miss some of the big plays we did uh, in the Purdue game. You know, Whip was just not, and this sounds awful, don't, don't take it out on me. Tip your waiters. Try the veal. He just wasn't real whippy today. Uh, I mean, he sometimes he, he was extra gruff, and I love it. But he just seems annoyed with the, uh, the the topic of matching physicality. And this is the the comment. We'll get to what he thinks of Illinois in a moment. But matching physicality—that's the tone Mickey set. He said it Monday. It's out there in the media. It's been a talking point all week as players, whether they're listening or not, just to the noise. I mean, you got to get – they know it. They've played against Illinois. They know how physical Saturday is going to be. But it's a precursor because it isn't going to get any easier. You may not face teams, Elijah, as physical as Illinois. Probably Michigan's your top of the heap. But It's just going to be, they will spit you out if you're not ready. And this is step one. Are you ready to go or not? But this could also be, you know, Mark Whipple being a little bit realistic and understanding that. Good take. That as as, as much as you try, this is what you are. You might not be able to match physicality. I mean, the only guy in Nebraska's offense that I see that looks like they're overtly physical and in light contact is probably Anthony Grant. Sure. I mean, Casey Thompson 
has to endure a lot of contact, but I don't think he's matching no, physicality. He ain't raising both hands. Hit me again. <laughs> so this could just be a, a realistic take from Whipple saying, yeah, I know the, the, the task from Mickey is to match physicality from Illinois, but that's, that's we are what we are. Yeah. <laughs> Whip seat is like, son of a, how are we going to get enough time for my guy to run by everybody so he can throw it to him deep? <laughs> don't bitch to me about points. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you stop somebody? I mean, you know, I mean, they scored enough points to win against Purdue. Now the defense carried a lot of water the previous two games. Okay. The offense wasn't wasn't real high flying against Rutgers. This is whip when it comes to matching physicality. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, (laughs) to me it's about scoring points. I mean, I don't think anybody comes after the game and says, geez, we were more physical. Or whatever they say, it's, they have a scoreboard for a reason. I haven't seen any tab on physicality up there, you know. So that's what it comes down to. If that's part of it, yeah. So you know, but you know, the, the beauty of football is you, we don't have any idea how the game's going to play out, you know. And we may think we do, but we don't. And so you just got to see see what you what you have and what they have, and make some adjustments and go from there. So, which I think the farther along we go, the extra week helps. With some of the stuff that way. This is our shot to win and score on these guys. It ain't going to be lining up and playing Smash Mouth. Is that how I? Is that how you heard it? That's how that, I. Heard that's it. How exactly how I heard it. Uh-huh. Is, hey, f- we're just trying to score <laughs> points. And if we're getting out physical and we're scoring points, Mark, Mark Whipple's a happy camper. I think is what he's saying. <laughs> guys, you've seen our line. I've seen our line. Putting words in his mouth, forgive me. He does comment on the Illinois defense, though. You know, they're, they're, I think they've bought into their uh, their plan on defense. Which they're just they're going to play man free and they're going to be aggressive. You can see how how they gain confidence throughout. You know, they shorten the game. I mean, the running back's a really good player, which helps the defense. But you know, they're really good on the red in a red zone, very opportunistic. You know, and they're really good on third down. Probably that's the biggest thing, third. Two to eight or something like that. I don't know what statistically, but I've looked at it all. And they just they, they uh, kind of run They run well in the back end, but they take care of third downs and they hold on to the ball. So you don't see this number of plays. Indiana was the one team that probably I think had around 80 plays. Everybody else has been 42, 43, like anything. It comes, you know, we've got to be really good on third down. To get three three more downs, that's where that third down, and, and to get in manageable situations. But uh, they can rush the passer. They play the run well, and, you know, Brett's done a good job. So I've known Brett a long time and had the plan, and it's, it's kind of come through for him. So that's uh, some quick takes on offense from Whip. Defensively, here's Bill Bush on the topic of, of matching up and stopping the run. Stopping the run? Ah, uh, ah. Uh. I mean, just match up the best you can. I mean, everything we did, you know, in that game also was what we felt was the best thing to do at the time against Purdue. And uh, there are some things that we didn't execute well enough. There's things I didn't do well enough as a coordinator uh, to be able to get done through that. But there's always some things we, we go back, we evaluate ourselves all the time. The extra week, the bye week helped us on that to be able to get that done. Uh, having some bodies back helps us. Obviously, we lost Nick, but having Reimer back will help us. Having Buford back, a lot of players in the game uh, to be back for us right there. So that's a plus for us. And so we've, we've 
we evaluate ourselves all the time. We watch what we have to be able to get done, how we practice it, and then always just make the main thing the main thing. Uh, and so we, we've done a good job of that in the past right there, which we know what the main thing is against them. And we have to, that's where we have to be successful. You're, no one's going to, I love the term, you know, stop the run like that. They're not going to come in here and rush for four yards like that. They're, they're, you got to be able to control the run. you got to be able to control it on, on, on certain situations. You have to be able to make sure you don't have big plays and breakouts. And then we have our opportunities to be able to make the tackles. we got to be able to keep it. Uh, to the minimum, besides like what I said earlier, where all of a sudden a three or four yard fit turns into a seven yard gain, uh, which we have to d- defend very hard in this game. That's reasonable. That's absolutely managing expectations. That's been being real with the defensive side of things, a lot like Whipple. That's Bush saying, okay, you're not going to shut him out. <laughs> Sue ain't walking through that door. All right. So can you keep yourself in the ball game within striking distance? Uh, more on well, coat. Go ahead. I would just say the key with the, the rushing attack, as he said, is control it because when it starts to become a problem where Tommy DeVito is really, really good is whenever he gets that, that play action, that RPO look. I mean, if you go watch Tommy DeVito's film this year from a completely amateur point of view, which is Elijah Herbal's film analysis, Tommy DeVito is not a guy who's going to go out and beat a whole bunch of football teams by taking a three- or a five-step drop in the pocket and, and picking apart a defense. That's not who he is. But No, he stings you. Yeah, but if your linebackers are flowing downhill ready to uh, stop the run and then he gets that RPO slant look across the middle of the field. He's going to tear you to shreds doing that, or, or just a simple play action where he gets a little bit of a roll and gets to find his tight end in, in space. That's where Tommy DeVito beats you, but th- that starts with being able to, to, to control the run game, as, as Bill Bush said, and make sure your running backs don't feel like they need to stick, take their first three or four steps towards the line of scrimmage in order to stop that rushing attack. We have time for 18 or no? 18? Yes. No. Nope. All right. We'll have more from Bill Bush. It's a special birthday today in the sports world. Yeah. Uh, we will hear from Robert Robert Montgomery Knight. Mm. Dirty Bob. He's blowing out 82 candles. And he has a, a take about motivation. This is pretty good. So we'll have that for you. I'll say Bob Knight's one of those guys that if you would have asked me six hours ago, is he alive or dead? I couldn't have been able to tell you. But I guess he is alive if it's his birthday. He's 82 today. Hail Varsity continues on. We're presented by Currency. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon, how's the week? Thanks for the time. You bet, buddy. Week's been great. How you guys doing? We're doing all right. It was uh, sad to see Brees Hall uh, go down with a torn ACL, partially torn meniscus, and it happened not long after he ripped off a 62-yard touchdown run, and he's really helped spearhead a surprising season for the New York Jets under Coach Sala, 5-2. and two. Uh, But he was playing Elijah's uh, Denver team. And tests earlier this week showed that Hall had a torn ACL and meniscus injury ends his year. Let's get into uh, the situation here with, well, a repair for this ACL and meniscus. Is it rare to have both, both injuries uh, occur at once? 
Yeah, you know, great question, Chris. You know, sad, sad for him. He's had a great year and has been just a terrific player. Um, you know, the scoop on knees, just kind of talking about ACLs anatomically. We've, we've talked about these before quite a bit on here. Um, so ACL tear, you know, there's two kind of main ligaments in the center part of the knee. One's the ACL, the anterior, which means towards the front, anterior cruciate ligament. The one behind that's called posterior cruciate ligament. Posterior means towards the back. Um, this is the ACL towards the front. It's one we most commonly talk about here. And it basically imparts stability to your knee, and in particular the, the shin or the tibia from kind of sliding forward. It kind of stops that. So you can imagine as you're cutting, twisting, turning, wanting to have a stable point where you can move forward without having that tibia slide forward. That's what the ACL does. We've talked about meniscus as well. That's that kind of C-shaped cartilage pad that's uh, in between the bones within the knee, acts as a shock absorber and a stabilizer. So that's at least anatomically what we're talking about. Um, clearly in this scenario, they talk about an ACL tear, meniscus injury. You know, unfortunately, they, they do kind of go hand in hand. Um, the majority of time when we see ACL injuries, we'll see some trauma to the meniscus, whether it's just some bruising or, you know, more higher grade type injury, higher grade type tear. Um, in this scenario, I'm not certain as to the grade of the meniscus tear, but it sounds like it's a pretty significant on top of the uh, ACL as well. Dr. Brandon Seifert is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Dr. Brandon, let's talk a little bit about recovery. I know that the, the surgery to repair ACLs has come a long way over the past couple of years, and I'm looking at a timetable for recovery here. It almost feels like it may have happened at an ideal time and that he's not going to feel pressured to get back next season uh, and try to rush this thing. And uh, he's also not happening so early that he's going to try to get back, you know, to finish the season, get back in time for the playoffs. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the recovery and what this timetable is going to look like for Brees Hall. Yeah, you know, good point on that. It, it, I mean, not that there's obviously any ideal time to ever have an ACL tear, but you're right. It really is from a recovery perspective. It gives him plenty of time to be ready. Um, you know, as you kind of look at those numbers, it's been interesting to watch the data and uh, the trends in uh, sports medicine, how ACLs are treated in terms of how long do you rehab these. Um, I would, you know, as we've talked about before, there was basically a period of time, maybe five or ten years ago, when we're trying to push for faster rehabs. Maybe you're trying to get back competing within five or six months. Um, and as we started to move in that direction, you started to see higher kind of re-injury rates, re-injuring the, the ACL graft or maybe re-injuring like a meniscus type tear. Um, and then you started to see that pendulum kind of swing back the other direction, going a little bit longer on the rehab course. And really, I think that's been a positive. Um, you're starting to see those rehab trends go more kind of eight, nine months down the road for obviously your big NFL high investment type players. Um, it's going up to a year. Um, I think the closer you get to that kind of eight or nine month mark, those re-injury risks do diminish. They're not zero, uh, but they do diminish. I think the closer you are to kind of that five, six month mark, I do think that re-injury risk is, is a lot higher and studies are starting to show that as well. So you kind of look at it from an eight month kind of perspective. Um, and if you have to go a little longer, that would be the case. But, you know, for him, he's got the time to do it. Um, and that's really kind of what that process looks like at this point. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc. Uh, Brees Hall, talented back out of Iowa State. Rookie for the Jets, our topic today. Difference between contact and non-contact when it comes to ACL. Yeah, we, We've talked a ton about those freak non-contact uh, ACLs and meniscus jobs. This was full contact. It was a really tough hit, clean hit. Uh, by Sertain of Denver, where you had Hall's leg buckle under him. Is that more stressful, damaging, or is an ACL and ACL contact or non-contact? 
Yeah, you know, those are those are great things to think about, Chris, in this scenario. Um, you know, research wouldn't, you know, indicate this. This is more kind of an anecdotal type mm-hmm. statement. Uh, but as you look at this and you look at some of those higher level ones, the higher, more contact ACLs, it seems, especially the ones that I've taken care of, the more contact-related ones we see tend to have more damage, whether it's more cartilage damage or, you know, more extensive kind of meniscus damage uh, for more of a contact-type injury versus the non-contact. Um, so I think there's there's some value or some truth in that statement, even though research probably hasn't bore that out at this point. Um, so yeah, in his scenario, looking at that kind of mechanism of injury, you wonder about a higher level kind of meniscus tear as being part of that more contact related. But if you look at the statistics on these, you know, overwhelmingly ACLs occur on a non-contact from a non-contact perspective, which essentially means you tear your knee ACL by either you know landing awkwardly you know, taking off awkwardly, basically kind of tweaking the knee, if you will, on your own without anybody around you versus obviously a contact, somebody's running into your knee or your knee gets into an awkward position by somebody tackling you, essentially. Uh, but, yeah, for the longest time, it's overwhelmingly almost, I think, 70 75% in the most recent studies in terms of contact or, excuse me, non-contact injuries versus contact. Brees Hall is uh, awaiting surgery, Dr. Brandon. I want you to really fast take me through this surgery. I watched a video on it one time, and, I was a little bit shocked with because you were bored. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, sometimes you get a little too deep in YouTube, and you go, you know "That sounds interesting." And, and I saw the surgery involved, like drilling through the knee and grafting another tendon. Just take me through what this surgery is going to look like for Brees Hall whenever uh, he actually gets this procedure done. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is pretty amazing what's out there. Just that people can watch, you know, surgically. It's it's pretty impressive. And and some of the folks who are, you can just find videos on YouTube. Um, of you know, some pretty well-known you know, sports docs and how they're doing this. But essentially, as you go through this, this is always the discussion we have with families when this happens, um, is you know, an ACL at this point, it's based on our technology, the information, the data, you can't go in and sew those back together. They've done a bunch of studies on it. Some people try to still push that, but even still the data doesn't support that at this point in terms of just sewing it back together. So essentially, where we're at at this point is you have to remake the ACL, which means borrowing tissue from somewhere else. Uh, whether it's a you know, patella tendon, that's the tendon that comes off the bottom of the kneecap, a quad tendon, that's the tendon that comes off the top of the kneecap, or using a hamstring that comes off on the inside just below the knee. Those are kind of your three main graft choices. Young, healthy athletes, um, you know, people under age 40 who are pretty active, you're going to want to use your own tissue, which would mean whether it's you know, one of your tendons not using a cadaver tendon. If you look at all the data and studies out there and young, active patients, cadaver grafts do not work very well. They have a pretty high failure rate, so I wouldn't utilize those. If you get into somebody who's maybe not as active, maybe in their 50s, 60s, you maybe can make an argument for using a cadaver graft. Uh, but essentially, the surgery itself, it does involve a lot of you know, extensive kind of you know, drilling to the bone type things to you know, basically remake tunnels where you can put the graft through to get it in the right spot. It's still not a lot in terms of incisions. You know, in the past, you used to have this you know, huge incision on the front of your knee that looks like you had a knee replacement. Now, essentially, it involves just two little poke holes in the front of the knee, a little tiny incision on the outside of the knee at the top, and then a little tiny incision depending on where you are harvesting the graft from. And that's what it looks like. And it's about, you know, hour, two-hour type surgery. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, we'll get caught up again. Thanks for a few minutes today. You bet, fellas. You guys take care. Go Huskers this weekend.
miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio presented to you by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Reminder to get Buckled up, game preparation and repetition predict success in winning. Drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember to always buckle up or a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We were going to get this to you before the break. We couldn't, but here's Bill Bush. He was asked by Mitch Sherman about the, the topic of physicality. Right. That's been ongoing. It's been a pointed question to the offensive and defensive coordinator today. You heard Whipple's thoughts on it. Score more points. Uh, Bush uh, on the money, though, with uh, being able to coach up the guys and get ready for a very uh, imposing Illinois team. I just expectations. The big thing with that, if your expectation is how you're going to be physical, how you're going to get lined up, how you're going to play up front, how you're going to fit, if your expectations, if that's your main thing, if you if you work on that phase with the most, that you'll get what you emphasize. That's always true, like that. So there's always everybody has some sort of limitations, no matter what team it is in college football. Someone's going to, no matter where you go, someone's going to say, well, we have some limitations here. We have some limitations here. Everyone has some of those, like that. So everyone has those, but the, but right now, just make the main thing the main thing which is we emphasize 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 with what we're going to do and how it's going to fit and how it's going to go down so everyone knows crystal clear what's going on and that that's how you're able to play fast the only way you play uh physical is really having the 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 what you know down so you know what you're doing like that so you want to be able to have it like it's not like "Ah, i wasn't sure on that that can catch you right in the teeth pretty fast so getting them that part that'll that'll help us so there's the ability to do it it's more of a confidence and uh, being second nature. So I don't know if he likes ice cream cake, if he's going to lash out at anybody, but Bob Knight is celebrating his 82nd birthday today in all his plaid, horrible 1970s sport coat glory. Uh, Factor in a chucked chair, cutting Charles Barkley off the Olympic team, and uh, lots of harassment. Great at the old uh, Devaney Center when he showed up for Texas Tech and the student section was all wearing hunting gear. Without further ado, Bob Knight on motivation. You can talk about all the motivational speeches and phrases and devices in the world, but the greatest motivator of all is your ass on the bench. (laughs) There is no better motivator. Ass meets bench, bench retains ass. Ass transmits signal to brain, brain transmits signal to body, body gets ass off bench and plays better. I mean, it's a hell of a sequence of things that takes place. Well, might be for you guys. Uh, You guys being you media as he once said is a step up above prostitution <laughs> he's got a point with the motivation though 
Uh, yep. We'll try and motivate again tomorrow. Searles with us. Coach Barnett, Brandon Vogel, Daddy Burke. Big thanks to Evan Bland and Mike Babcock and Mike Shuhart. A Huda Media Production.